Brought to you by Feitner Productions. From the Unreasonable Doubt Studios, in association with Feitner Productions, this is Laying Down the Law with your host, Billy DeClerc, and co host, Curtis Rutherford. Featuring a jury of genius jokesmiths and paneled with the help of Publishers Clearinghouse, auditors from the firm of DCH Lottery Management, and selected by random draw from a hermetically sealed mayonnaise jar every Tuesday and Thursday at half past never. Only a madman would bring these people together to construct an entire virtual world of law and order simply to tear it asunder with ruckus laughter. That madman is attorney Billy DeClerc. The result is a podcast blasted to the farthest reaches of the interwebs. That podcast is this one, and it starts right now. Welcome to Laying Down the Law, a comedy podcast hosted by me, the legal elephant of the comedy fishing pier, Billy DeClerc. And I'm Curtis Rutherford, the co-host of this podcast, the creator of Improv Beat by Beat, the audio interview textbook of improv comedy, the author of Laser Focus on SAT Math, the member of UCB Improv Team's Ghost and Megaplex, the improvised movie, and probably something else I'm forgetting. (laughs) Well, today we have a returning guest. She's a Maryland native, award-winning voice artist, comic, and improviser, member of You're On Mute. She is Miss Tony Senator. Hello. I'm happy to be back again. Very excited. Uh, great to have you back. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Did I say more stuff? <laughs> no, this was this was my fault. I have one thing I need to do, and I didn't do it. Because the next thing I need to do is another returning guest, a member of Ghost, married to a lawyer, a friend of Curtis, I think, uh, and a relatively harmless hypnotist, Mr. R2 Nazareth. Hello, hello. Uh, happy to be back. And also not married yet. We're in that pre-phase called engagement, uh, but it's been a long one. So all understandable. And the thing is, I knew that, but I'm so devoted to reading copy that <laughs> I just correct. read exactly. Nothing yeah. goes to the higher okay. brain as I read. No, I wrote it that way. It's just, <laughs> you know, Christina got to me and she's like, you know, put a little pressure on this guy. You know, he yeah. needs to he needs to feel it. He needs to own it. And she uh, that's, that. And that's Christina Moore, a uh, past guest, and she is kind of like busy and important and not goofing around reporting podcasts <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, I'm thrilled to have you all here today. And before we get into the law stuff, why don't we take a break to promote our friends, family, products, and services that pay for this podcast, hypothetically. And we're back. Well, this week's doctrine uh, is from the area of contract law. We've been doing contract law for the last few weeks. And Artoon and Tony, since you uh, haven't heard some of our prior episodes on contract law, and I'm sure you haven't listened to them because they haven't been released yet. um, Contracts typically have a requirement that there be some kind of an agreement and an exchange of value called consideration. And we're doing the part of contracts where there is no consideration. There's been nothing exchanged in what do we do in those cases. So sometimes there can be reasonable value or other doctrines that replace the idea of consideration or replace the idea of a contract. This week's concept is called promissory restitution. 
And that's a big fancy word for saying you should probably pay for something good that happened before. And so in the cases that we're looking at today, something happened when there was no contract between the parties. And then one of the parties says, I'm going to pay you for what you did because it was so great. And then they later decide not to pay for whatever reason. And the person who did the good deed decides to file a lawsuit because you promised to pay me for this good thing I did with no promise of payment in the first place. Are you following me? <laughs> so they did something good. And then after the fact, the other person was like, this is great. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. And then walked away and was like, I'm not giving him 20 bucks. I just said that because I was so impressed. <laughs> exactly. Like going yeah. into it, there was no indication of payment. Nice. Exactly. It's like good. if you were like on the street somewhere and somebody like decided to pick you up and you thought they were your Uber driver and then they take you to the airport and then you get out and you're like, okay, thanks. I'm going to give you five stars. And like, I'm literally not an Uber driver. I just you know, saw you there and I thought I'd just drive you to the airport. And you're like, A, freaky. B, thank you. And I will pay you $75. Just, um, you know, give me your Venmo and I'll just Venmo it to you. And then I decide not to. Mm. And so the the would-be Uber driver's like, hey, you were going to pay me for this completely free ride to the airport. This will be a great episode for me because I feel like I'm always telling people like, that was great. I like, I, you know, you, I should give you 10 bucks for that. Like anytime Curtis does a great show, I'm always like, damn, someone should be giving this guy some more money. Maybe me. I haven't given Curtis a dime. So constant IOUs. Anytime I walk off the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Just the fact that the the person mentions like, oh, I'm going to give you 20 bucks. That's legally binding. Well, you know, it gets a little bit more uh, complicated as it is the law, and we like to put a lot of fancy words on it. So there's this idea of fairness, they call it equity. So this idea that a promise to pay for a prior, uh, the legal word being antecedent, just means before, contractual or quasi-contractual, meaning like there's sort of like a contract, debt, it can be a binding promise if it's in recognition of a benefit that was previously received and it's necessary to prevent injustice. Okay. So there still has to be a benefit. So I still have to get something from it to kind of make it that kind of like contracty, Hey, you give Mm -hmm. me, I give you type thing. Mm -hmm. And the payment is necessary to prevent injustice or the The payment. Right. So that's why it's called restitution. Restitution is um, a legal term, meaning essentially we give money from one, and the law is really good at, at moving money from people from one person to another. And most of the rules are about this person has money and this other person should have it. So the restitution idea is it's fair to give the money from this person to that person. And so this idea to prevent injustice, otherwise it would be unfair. And then there's two exceptions to the rule. If the person who received the promise to be repaid intended to give it as a gift, or if the value of the promise is disproportionate to the benefit that was received. So um, in my Uber ride example, if it was like, I didn't actually intend to ask for money, I just happened to be go that, going that direction and I'm just a generous person and maybe we knew each other and it was, you know, we didn't, you know, make any kind of an agreement. You just thought it was going to be a free ride to the airport because I was going to the airport anyway. That was, sounds like maybe it was intended as a gift. Or if the value is disproportionate, you get out of my Uber at the airport and you're like, I'm going to pay you a thousand dollars for driving me to the airport. 
then the court might say, well, that sounds like it's a little unreasonable. An Uber to the airport's usually somewhere between 50 to $100. So, you know, it shouldn't be that much. Okay, so, so then, those I'm are covered, co- mm-hmm. then I'm covered mm-hmm. when I tell Curtis, I'll give you a million dollars after that show. That's a million dollar show, Curtis. <laughs> when we yeah. know at most it's worth 500000 <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So um, those are those are kind of uh, I'm paraphrasing from the restatement of contracts, which is a basically a bunch of legal scholars getting together and saying, well, the law is a bunch of cases. We need to restate it in a way that makes less sense, but is shorter. So the restatement of uh, of contracts, Section 82 and 86, for those of you taking notes. So the first case of the week. Mills versus Wyman is a case from Massachusetts. It's from 1825. 1825. Long time ago. Yeah. Levi Wyman is a 25-year-old boy, and he goes out on a ship. We don't get really, this case does not have a lot of details about the facts, but he goes on some kind of a ship, and when he comes back, he's really sick. And he was estranged from his father. He's on a voyage at sea, and he gets suddenly sick. They landed Hartford. He's poor. He's got, he doesn't have a dollar to his name. He's really, really sick. And the plaintiff, Mills, takes him into his home. Says, Come on in, kid. I'll take care of you. And Levi Wyman is basically in this guy's home. He, Mills is generous, kind of good Samaritan, takes care of him from the 5th of February, 1821 through the 20th of February, 1821. The court notes that the defendant lived in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. Don't know why that's relevant, but uh, maybe that's because it's a lawsuit that's in Massachusetts and not in Connecticut. So Levi recovers. He gets better. And Mr. Wyman, Levi's uh, dad, is so happy, so overjoyed that his estranged son has been nursed back to health by the Mills family that he promises to pay $15 a week on a go forward basis. Basically says, um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I misled you. Levi died. Oh. Oh. Yeah. He didn't get better? I believe, I believe this. He believed he died. It doesn't really matter for the case. We don't really care. But I think he died. I don't know. I'm looking at this. I mean, we uh, all die at some point. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but- <laughs> that, that wasn't very good care. Hold on. I'm rereading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll pay I'll pay you to keep my son alive for 15 a week. It's too low. <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe he didn't die. Maybe he didn't die. I don't know. It's a very short case. It doesn't say. Maybe I'm reading something else. Maybe he died. Maybe he didn't. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> Wait, uh, so 15- Levi, Levi did die. Uh-huh. According, oh, yeah, according to some sources, he did. I mean, he did die, right? Yeah. I mean, we can be sure of that. This is sure. 1825. We can be absolutely <laughs> certain that he did die. We don't know if he died on the 20th of February, 1825, to be very honest from me, with you. Uh, the case summary says that he died, but the actual case that I'm reading, I don't see references to whether he's died, which leads to my advice to law school students. Don't rely entirely on summaries. Instead, go read the case. Mm. We'll lead you it astray. seems like from this other mm-hmm. thing, he died at the end of the 15 days. And that's why uh, Mills wrote to Wyman's dad of like, hey, I was keeping care of your son. Bad news. He died. Oh, mm hmm. And then Wyman said, well, I'll pay for all the expenses. 
Oh, so that's what the $15 a week, like he couldn't pay it all at once. So he's just paying $15 a week for a certain amount of time. Mm, kind of like a payment plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, PayPal. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. PayPal credit. Mm-hmm. No, right. So, six yeah. So Levi's father says, I'm going to pay you the, I'm going to pay you back the ex expenses. Mr. Wyman had no legal obligation to pay for his son. The court points out that because he was over the age of 21, which was the age of majority at that point in time, age of majority, like legal adulthood. So the father had no obligation to care for or support his son. This was something that was totally gratuitous on the part of Mills. No obligation, but the court says he had a moral obligation. Hmm. And Mills says, we saved your son and then you promised to pay us back for the expenses we incurred. You have a moral obligation to keep your promise. Okay. And the court agrees. Basically says, because the father has a transient feeling of gratitude, promised in writing to pay the plaintiff for the expenses incurred. But later he decided to break his promise. And so the court says, this is some kind of a moral obligation. It's the right thing to do. And there was this pre-existing event. Like it wasn't a promise before the services were rendered. It would have been a different case if, you know, the son shows up on the 5th of February and Mills is like, hey, your kid's here. Do you want us to pay the expenses or what? And then they, someone rides to Shrewsbury County on a horse and is like, do you want me to pay the sons? And then the father's like, yeah, no, fuck that kid. He's so ungrateful. Let him die. And that would be different. That would be a contract. Or let's say the father said, okay, I'll pay for it. Whatever. That's a that's an exchange of value in advance. The services here, the services were rendered. There's no expectation of payment. The father promises to repay. The court says that is a binding obligation. I'm going to read you from uh, Judge Parker. You know, these old judges, they love the flowery, um, poetic language. Oh, and don't I know it. <laughs> mm -hmm. It says, is there not a moral obligation upon every son who has become affluent by means of the education and advantages bestowed upon him by his father to relieve his father from pecuniary embarrassment, to promote his comfort and happiness, and even share with him his riches, and thereby he will be made happy? And yet... Such a son may, with impunity, leave his father in such a degree of penury above that which will expose the community in which he dwells to the danger of being obliged to preserve him from absolute want. Is not the wealthy father under strong moral obligation to advance the interest of an obedient, well-disposed son, to furnish him with the means of acquiring and maintaining a becoming rank in life, to rescue him from the horrors of debt incurred by misfortune? Yet the law will uphold him, meaning the father, in any degree of parsimony, short of that which would reduce his son to the necessity of seeking public charity." That's a long-winded way of saying kids ought to pay for their old, decrepit parents, and parents ought to pay to raise their young children, but the law doesn't intervene and force you to do it. Wow. That's not what I got out of it, but I'm glad you explained it. <laughs> yeah. That's all the, all the flowery words cutting through, <laughs> cutting through the BS. But basically, we expect in 1825 that parents take care of their children and children take care of their parents and you should support them, but the law is not going to do anything to force you to obey that moral obligation. But here, there was a moral obligation. The father had a moral obligation to repay and he wrote a, a note promising to repay and we're going to force uh, him 
to to honor that promise. So is the moral obligation important because of that kind of contract idea that somebody has to give and receive or or all of that stuff that, that we talked about on the last episode? Yeah. Because if I were just like some random person who was like, oh, hey, I heard you kept care of that sailor guy that was wandering around. I'm going to give you 15 bucks for that. And right. then I, I decided, you know, never mind. I would have no moral obligation. So in that case, the court would probably say, Curtis, why are you agreeing to pay for these random sailors? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless you had some kind of pre-existing relationship with those random sailors that would cause you to, to have an obligation mm-hmm. to pay their expenses. But here the court's saying a father typically ought to pay for his son if he gets sick. It's it's uh, it's unjust. And as between Mills, who's the good Samaritan stranger who takes this boy in, and uh, Wyman, the um, transitory, generous, but eventually cheapskate father, who should bear this expense? The father's got the moral obligation to take care of his son. He promised he was going to repay it. He wrote it down. Between those two people, someone's going to pay this. We think that the father should be the one to pay. Mm. There is something funny to me about Mills, like doing something so kind, like taking like this random sailor in, it seems, this random son nursing him, and then the father's like $15. And it's not that you can't be a great person and then also then go like, I want my money and go to the courts. But it is, there is a fun dichotomy there of like, my house is open to anyone, but if you promise me money, you better give it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, it's a really weird part of the case. Like, it's like, who is this dad who's like, yeah, I'm going to pay you back for your expenses. You know what? Not so much. Yeah. It's it's also you know? crazy. It's Maybe just, it's he just... couldn't afford it though. Maybe that's why, maybe he wanted to, but he didn't have the money. And for, for Mills to, I mean, Mills did that without expecting anything. So what's the big deal if he never gets it? Yeah. But maybe once he heard that, like, oh, I'm getting $15 for this. I thought I was getting $0. Now I can finally pay back. Yeah. He bought bought a horse for the first time. Bought a new horse. (laughs) And if he didn't use a payment plan for that, next thing you know, it's... Yeah. (laughs) Plus, I feel like the son being dead is relevant. I mean, the father got a dead son. Yeah. I mean, that's not... No, I... Yeah, I think... Everybody got something. No, I I, I think... So, here's the thing. So, (laughs) let me just... uh, Let me just lift the curtain for a moment. In preparing for this show, I consulted two sources. One being a case brief uh, summary site, the other being the case itself. And when I read the case brief, the summary suggested that the son had died. But when I read the case itself, mm-hmm. it doesn't say that he died. And so I'm hopelessly confused because I don't know whether to follow the case brief summary or the actual case that I read, or if I'm missing something because it's so freaking hard to read these old cases. And now I'm under the gun on a podcast. so. That is the truth. But I can tell you with absolute certainty that if he was 25 in 1825, he's dead now. (laughs) And it had nothing to do with the decision. And the moral this story is, Billy, be more prepared. Ouch. You know, I feel that. I do. That's actually... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Barely passed law school, yet... (laughs) Barely made it through. Um, You know, I'm usually prepared enough. It it also sounds like this note 
played an important part. Like, uh, it seems like if a handshake agreement or if you just kind of like say it, you'll do it is one thing. But it seems like you need a little bit of hard evidence that some that some some sort of promissory restitution restitution yes. happened. Yeah, I mean, note is damning. So yeah, I think, but they the court's reasoning really rests on both of these elements. One being that um, that there was a moral obligation of a father to support his son and pay f- when he gets sick, and two that he wrote this note acknowledging it, even though he only was, uh, you know, he refers to transitory gratitude. But there is one interesting wrinkle here, and that is that it's not actually Mills who's suing; it's Mills' estate. You know, I think Artoon was like, this guy is weird. Why would he do this nice thing and then sue later? My guess is, it doesn't say this in the case, but this is his heirs or whatever. They've probably found this note in his papers. Again, kind of a um, an assumption on my part. And then, they, you know, Mill's children or his heirs or whoever were like, hey, we should sue for this debt. You know, we could get this money from this other guy, Wyman. And then Wyman's like, you know, I just... It was just a transitory thing. And, you know, and my son was kind of ungrateful and I don't really, you know, fortunately you saved him and or let him die, whichever it was. She's <laughs> Schrodinger's, Levi is Schrodinger's child, you know, whatever. So I think that explains a little bit what's going on on the plaintiff side, because it is not Mills, it's his heirs. I think the plaintiffs have a gambling problem and that's why they want that $15. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. You know, that's what I get out of it. I think that's fully possible and even likely. Our second case of the week, Webb v. McGowan. From the year 1935. Now this one, trigger alert injury. And if you're specifically nervous about things falling from high places like anvils and the like. Any sort of Looney Tunes situations. <laughs> yeah. If you have a Looney Tunes, adver- you know, aversion, this is going to be the wrong case for you. I'm always okay. worried about an anvil falling on my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this time you can be safe. It's not an anvil. It's a wooden block. Ooh. Oh, worse. Uh huh. So on uh, August 3rd, 1925, both the plaintiff and the defendant were working for the W.T. Smith Lumber Company. Webb, he's the plaintiff, uh, within the scope of his employment, part of his job was to take blocks of wood and drop them on the ground below, sort of from the second story down to the first story. And so he block dropper. Yeah, mm-hmm, he was. That was his job. He was the block dropper. And he had this 75 pound block of wood oh, God. that he was going to throw from the second floor onto the first floor when he saw McGowan directly below. So Webb, being something of a hero, somehow decided that he could divert the path of the 75-pound block of wood by holding on to it and literally falling with the wood to the ground below. So instead of letting go of the wood, which would have certainly injured McGowan, Webb holds (laughs) onto the wood, he holds onto the wood and falls from the second floor to the first floor taking the the crushing weight of this wood on himself. I just saw a TikTok where a guy uh, failed to hitch his boat correctly and then was trying to hold it back. And it's just a massive boat pulling this man 
like the caption was one of those like this guy thought he was stronger than a boat but it feels like that like in the moment you're like yeah. i can pull this gigantic boat and keep it from rolling down a yeah hill. the amazing thing that I, I i'm like trying to picture this case i can't understand this but somehow this guy pulled it off like he you know he he hangs onto this wood and i don't know if he like kept pushing it in midair or he had like was in, endowed with some kind he's of super a, I mean, strength he's a professional block dropper as yeah. well yeah. it's true <laughs> it's true it's it's a profession that's not um as seriously followed today but somehow he's he saved jay greeley mcgown from getting injured jay greeley mcgown was obviously was overjoyed because it would have killed him it says <laughs> according to the case it would have either seriously injured or killed him and mcgown was basically untouched but webb got seriously injured he broke his right leg. Oof. The heel of his right foot was torn off and his right arm was broken. Oh. He was badly crippled for life and was unable to do any physical or mental labor. A heel being torn oh, off. Sounds horrible. Yeah. That's like missing your elbow. That's a joke. Like, aren't you then missing the whole foot? Yeah. I, they did it in just, Cinderella. Yeah, that's true. In the original <laughs> pre-Disney, uh, I do recall that. It's pretty gross. Yeah, really gross. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think right. you'd lose your whole foot, just your heel. I mean, right, it's just, I think it's basically... like that connector. I guess you're still, you still got a little like flappy guy at the end, right? But the heel is like the main thing keeping the, uh, he was the base crippled of the foot for a life, calf. Curtis. He was, I mean, I mean, maybe the I mean this is 1925, folks. They don't have like plastic surgery. I'm pretty sure what they're saying is like the flesh of his heel yeah. was torn from the bone. Okay. Not okay. the bone itself. Ooh. Let, in and a he's, word he's dead too he's dead no, he's now. well he's i mean he is dead now yes he didn't die from the injury so this accident happened on august 3rd 1925. on september 1st 1925 mcgown obviously moved with gratitude for you know webb saving him from pretty certain death promised that he would care for him and maintain him for the rest of his life paying him 15 dollars every two weeks from the date of his injury as long as he lived Whoa. which he does do okay McGowan paid that sum every two weeks until McGowan passed away on January 1st, 1934. So the payments continued until January 27th, 1934, and then they stopped. So, so the he caretaker- paid, So he said, I'm going to pay for the rest of your life. He paid for the rest of his life, plus another two weeks. He, he said he was going to pay Webb for the rest of Webb's life. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So and McGowan so pays- for the rest of his life, mm -hmm. nine more years, and then he dies. And then his heirs are like, yeah, um, good. Not so much. Not going to pay this. Thanks for saving pops, but we're not going to pay you $15 a week anymore. That seems fair to me, but I'm interested to see what the court rules. The caretakers for Webb, it's, as I, yeah, I'm reading between the lines that Webb is pretty much, I mean, maybe not a, quite a vegetable, but he's oh not much not much to him right uh he's he's unable to do any mental labor so like uh it's bad in 19 a lot of the higher brain processes are in the heel so that makes <laughs> sense to me you lose that heel damn yeah i mean i mean neuroscience <laughs> wasn't in 1925 what it is now so they're like i don't know he broke his arm and his leg and he can't do anything either why did he maybe just it's, he's got ill humors i'm sorry why he's probably he just... already moving I guess there's a lot of those type of like, yeah, things. It's like a lot of momentum. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of imagine like, okay, 75 pounds is pretty heavy. So there's probably a bit of a heave and a hoe. And yeah. so what I think happened is he was, he was in the middle of a heave and then he redirected his hoe and that way avoided McGowan. You know, he just didn't let, he basically, you know, he's swinging the block and he would have normally let go of it, but he was like, oh shit, that's going to hit this guy. And kind of like the only way, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine this, but the only way I can think of is like, he's on this ledge and he's, he would have normally let go at like the 45 degree angle. And he's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is going to hit this guy. And he keeps pushing it where it's clear. Like he's, he like pushes it and jumps off of the thing to like, yeah, save the, save the other guy. Um, yeah, I worked at a stock room for a while and like just pallet jacks and stuff and moving that you really like once it gets going, it's like great. Now, You're finally, committing. I'm committing and I'm doing less work than I was by tr like by pushing this slowly. So any momentum you can get, it's like, great, this is good. And mm -hmm. then McGowan yeah. was in the wrong place. Yeah. No. Yes. No, McGowan is in the wrong place. And Webb was uh, kind of a was it was a hero. The heirs to McGowan say, basically, there's no contract here. We can't be responsible to pay out of the estate to this Webb to care for him the rest of his life. How funny is it that Webb ends up outliving McGowan anyway? By at least a year, because this, this is 1935 case, and McGowan died at the beginning of 1934. So at least another year. So there is no, basically, they say there's no contract here. We don't have an obligation. And because this promise was made after the fact he had already saved him. So it can't be for consideration. It was something that had already happened. And the law is you can't make a contract for something you already did. Hmm. And so it's a void contract. The court says, you know what? We're going to disagree with you. McGowan's heirs won at the trial court level, and then it gets appealed. Whoa. Mm -hmm. The trial court says, look, there's no contract here. The appellate court says that Webb rescued McGowan from death or grievous bodily harm that was a material benefit to him more than any financial support that he could yeah. have gotten. He became morally bound to compensate him for what he received. And in recognition of this moral obligation to repay him for saving his life, he wrote this up and said, I'll pay you. And he did that for more than eight years. The court says, for example, let's say McGowan had been accidentally poisoned and a doctor administered an antidote and saved his life. Then McGowan said, OK, I'm going to pay you for giving me the antidote. That promise would have been valid. Similarly here, this guy saved your life. You promised to repay him because he basically crushed his, himself saving you. That's what you got a moral obligation. You recognize it. You paid it. And that's going to be binding. It wasn't a gift by McGowan. It was payment for services rendered. And so therefore, the Court of Appeal says that was an error and Webb's caretakers or whoever's suing on his behalf should be allowed to proceed to make McGowan's heirs make good on this promise to pay $15 every two weeks for the rest of Webb's life. By the way, the only problem with that uh, Dr. Poison analogy is that uh, Webb also dropped the block and then pushed it out of the way. So in this analogy, the doctor poisoned his patient and then said yes. don't worry i have the antidote and in in administering the antidote actually ends up taking a little bit of poison in himself <laughs> yeah. uh, in that blood transfusion <laughs> and so exactly. he's crippled both physically and mentally for the rest of his life <laughs> I, I feel like in today's world the construction company would have been sued for not marking 
that area off limits. I mean, where's OSHA, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Honestly. Where, <laughs> I mean, where are, where's the hard hats? <laughs> could a yeah. hard hat take a blow from a 75 pound? Not at all. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't. Away, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, that's I mean, it seems like an, some vertebrae. Yeah, it seems like just pretty much an inherently super dangerous way of running a lumber mill. Like, okay, you're going to take these big 75 pound blocks and you're going to toss them on the wet floor below. And then you, there's a, we're going to put a pathway directly underneath. And you just got to watch out. But like, also, what, what do they do? Like those 70 pound blocks of wood, aren't they going to like split apart when they're dropped to floor? Down? Yeah, I, I don't know. I do not understand this business model. Not a block all. anymore at that point. I, I would think it would just be. Like, I mean, oh, I yeah. I'm assuming this is what Mario Brothers was based on, <laughs> like just these floating. No, blocks no, that... Donkey Kong. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> they um, look at some other cases in Web v McGowan. They cite Booth v Fitzpatrick. A promise to repay for the past keeping of a bull, which had escaped from the defendant's premises and cared for by the plaintiff was valid because the subsequent promise obviated the objection. So you got a bull, it gets loose, somebody else captures the bull and keeps it at their ranch, and you say, I'll pay you for saving the bull. Similar, it's a moral obligation that's made good by a contract. And here they say it's so much more because it's life and health. Also, the bull thing, very similar to the Wyman and Mills. Mm -hmm. My son has escaped to the sea. Oh, you watched him for a while, then he died. It's very, very similar. These people didn't ask for help. The plaintiffs just gave the help freely. So I don't understand why, why it's such an obligation of those people to pay that. I mean, I understand the moral part, mm -hmm. but I just feel like... You didn't help that person in order to get paid. You helped them to help them, right? So why should it matter if you get money for it or not? But then if you don't, you could pretty much always promise, hey, you did that. I'm going to give you 20 bucks. I'm going to give you 30 bucks, which also feels like a little bit of a breakdown of like, oh, great. I'm getting I'm getting 20 bucks from our tune. Let me start. Uh, let me start figuring out what fancy little coffee <laughs> mugs I'm going to buy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think, well, the court's kind of dealing with some some weird situations where we would ordinarily think like the person who received the benefit ought to pay. And here, not only do we think that the person who received the benefit ought to pay, but also they agreed to pay. Mm -hmm. the, both of those elements are present in both of these cases where we have kind of this moral sense that somebody received a benefit that they really ought to pay for. And then they said, yeah, I'll pay for it. So some of the examples that you could think of that would distinguish the cases would be someone who receives a benefit and then they're just like, yeah, that's cool. And they don't promise to pay for it. Or what if I just said like, I owe you one, like I owe you, but never like <laughs> I owe you 15 bucks. Well, then we'd get into like getting a, a linguist in as an expert witness to talk about like what <laughs> I owe you one means. Like, do you owe you one dollar, um, one hundred dollars, or you like a favor in the future? And they're also distinguishing from the examples of gifts or mere moral obligations where, you know, somebody just does something that's kind. And we're not going to allow you if you give a gift or just do something that's kind to then turn around and sue the person who received it. There has to be this element of inequity. Well, you could argue that in both these cases, it was their moral obligation to to help the other person. 
Mm -hmm. on the other side. I mean, are you going to just let that kid die or are you going to help them? Your moral obligation would be to help or to, to not yeah. kill that person. So Yeah, and in, in both of these cases, the court goes out of its way to make a point that the person who's suing really didn't have any kind of an obligation to do it. They're really a good Samaritan. In our first case, Mills v. Wyman, the court says Mills really had no obligation to care for this sick kid and take him into their house. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we all have a, some kind of moral obligation to care for people, but you don't have to just take people into their house and pay their doctor's bills because you, um, you know, see them sick. Like you, you might, there's a morality to it, but it's not a moral obligation. The court is kind of saying the moral obligation here is on the father in Mills v. Wyman because he had a moral obligation to care for his son. And even though that's not a legal obligation, we can't force somebody to care for their children. We think that plus the promise is enough. Similarly, in Webb v. McGowan, if Webb had just let go of the block, the court says Webb was doing his job. It was McGowan's fault for walking underneath the 75 pound block. He shouldn't. So had he gotten hit, you know, Webb was just doing his job. His job was toss these blocks from the second floor down to the first. Mm. McGowan mm. should have known better to walk under there. Webb did something above and beyond that he shouldn't have been expected to do. And so the moral obligation would be on McGowan to say, hey, thanks for, you know, crushing your body to save me. And so that's where they're they're putting that moral obligation. But you're right, Tony, that in a sense of absolute pure morality and altruism, we should all be taking in sick people and jumping off of second floor buildings to protect people from, you know, getting hit by blocks. I mean, we ought to, right? But the law doesn't impose that on us too much. All right. So a couple other examples that you might consider. Suppose you live in suburban America and you got two houses next to each other that are basically identical and you need a repair done you call a repair person the repair person comes out and they don't repair your house they repair your neighbor's house and your neighbor comes out like oh man thanks for the repairs that's awesome i'll pay you back should the neighbor who benefited from a totally gratuitous repair that was done by mistake that benefited his property or her property be required to pay for it not, not really no, I don't think the so. The company that made the mistake should be required. Yeah, to yeah the companies. <laughs> fix the other house. The neighbor didn't ask for that to happen. It was completely out of their control that it happened. They can't undo it. Okay. Well, let me just add an additional fact. Remember what I said. The neighbor walks out the front door and says, thank you for repairing my house. Let me write a note here. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to pay you for those repairs. $100. Mistake. Mistake. Never. Classic my, mistake. It's come to my attention. Never write a note saying you're going to give someone something. Correct. Right. You can verbally that, say it. That mm -hmm. won't hold up. Yep. And that's the case of uh, Drake versus Bell. That's a New York case. Drake Bell. Drake versus Bell. Mm -hmm. The repair was a benefit to the latter and there was a promise to pay for it. And so the rule is a subsequent promise that's based on a another obligation that would be enforceable, a promise to pay, is binding. So you can make the promise after the fact to pay. So if you had agreed in advance, repair my house, I'll pay you $100. The guy, you just switch the order, repair the house, and then you say, okay, I'll pay you $100. That's binding. How about this? Somebody comes and drigs a 250 foot well. So a tenant is renting property and says, Hey, I need a well on this property. And they hire somebody that somebody comes out, 
digs a 250 foot well so that there's water at the property. The year being 1910. The landlord is like, what a great well. Oh my God. I love this well. I'm going to pay you for that well. Which if you're a renter, always a big mistake putting any money into it. Yeah. (laughs) Insane. Mm -hmm. It's also, this is some fantasy world where the landlord's even saying, I'm going to pay. Like (laughs) those words come out of my mouth. So if the landlord is um, this unusually generous landlord from 1910 in South Dakota, is he going to end up paying for the well? No. And then they're going to take his ass to court. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's, I guess it's 1910. It's not, it's not like, it's not so long ago, but I'm like, it's within the, you know, the 20th century. I was like, so this house, just no water, just there's there's no water Mm -hmm. for these people. 1904. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't live there. Well, the landlord being a landlord said, that's a great well. I'm going to pay you $250 for it, but then didn't pay. And the guy who dug the well sued and he was successful because the landlord benefited from the value of having a 250 foot well on his property and subsequently promised to pay for it. So in this case, it's Edson v. Poppy from the Supreme Court of South Dakota, 1910. Same outcome, a benefit to the promise or promise or is the person who makes the promise is enforceable when it would be unjust to hold otherwise and they promise to pay for it so word to the wise somebody does something to benefit you never ever ever promise to pay for it no Say, invite them over thank for you. a barbecue <laughs> thank you that was nice thank you Soon as you invite little- me over for a barbecue, I'm going to say I can't make it. But what is the monetary value of that barbecue? <laughs> of <the> barbecue. <laughs> Venmo me that right now. I was gonna say, does this pertain to podcast hosts? A hundred percent, absolutely. I, I will be paying all of you um, handsome sums. I heard sums. you say you're going to pay a hundred dollars, so I could just pertain that to us, right? It's it's fifty. It's fifty. <laughs> No, I mean in the podcast you're like I'm gonna pay you a hundred dollars. I can just like oh you're gonna like do some like ed- editing yeah, together. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. oh crap. <laughs> oh crap. Be like Billy. Oh man, I got mighty. messed up on my. Oh Curtis, God. Curtis Horrible. is gonna take my out of context. I'm gonna pay Curtis one million dollars. <laughs> I mean, he said it. Said well, it. I'm a wit- I'm a witness to that too. Yeah. This is all pre-deep fakes. <laughs> all right. Well, when we come back, we're going to do some improv. And we're back. Oh, welcome to your first day on the job as a, uh, as a, as a, you know, block dropper. I'm just going to walk you. I'm, I'm going to walk both of you around the, you know, the establishment so that we can figure out where everything is. Right. Excellent. So- yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So this is where we eat lunch, you know, just a couple of benches, all of that. Uh, But you'll basically be right above this right here. You'll be dropping blocks uh, off of this second story right over uh, pretty much pretty close to where we eat lunch. Uh, Hey, boss, I hate to speak out of turn, especially since you being the boss, me being a simple, simple block dropper. Uh, There's a whole area here, a field, seems like plenty of space. I mean, you know, we got woods for days. We can have lunch there, maybe not, you know, directly underneath where we're dropping blocks. And this is, I'm just a simple block dropper. I'm sorry, you want me to sit on my ass in the grass? 
when I could be sitting on this nice, this nice whole picnic area that we got set up. And what's even better than that, when you drop the block, sometimes it lands on one end of the table, pops the pepper right <laughs> off that end of the table, and bam, you can just grab it just like that. Now, occasionally it does hit people. We have had some problem with that, but oh, this a little bit more convenient, okay? Boss, I'm not, again, I hate to speak out of turn, but am I wrong in thinking we're a we're a mill we have plenty of wood i'm sure we can craft a picnic table or two not my job i'm just a block dropper but it seems reasonable to craft a picnic table i'm sorry we're a mill let's just get rid of all let's just waste all of our supply of course i forgot oh maybe go down to the newspaper plant and ask oh how much newspaper can i just throw in the garbage maybe i'm gonna make a little king's outfit out of blank newspaper you think they're gonna let you do that no we have wood you're right well well, what happens what happens Mm -hmm. if someone gets hurt won't they sue the company or or what happens then we have one rule anybody gets hurt everybody closes their mouth for the next 24 hours. Nobody say nothing. Nobody agreed to anything. Um, we, I'm, it's called a quiet day. It's just, you know, I I transferred from the old block dropping company to this of course. block dropping company. And, you know, they had like areas where you, you weren't allowed to walk. Just, you know, to make sure that we felt safe dropping those blocks. I'm sorry. Where was this old block dropping company? Russia? This is America. It's a free country. You can walk where you want to walk. Okay. It was actually just down the street, like five minutes away. Okay. Well, down the street seems like a pretty terrible, un-American place to me. Okay. Now, if you want to walk right under the blocks, hey, I'm your boss. I'm not your mama. Okay. Hey, boss, look out. Ah, jeez. Oh. Ouch. Are you okay? God, that knocked my elbow right out of my... It's it's a lot of blood. It's a lot of of blood. I'm a little... Hey, you all right down there? Yeah, I know you're standing in the walkway, but I'm in the block dropping area and dropping blocks like I'm supposed to. My training is to just sort of toss the block without looking. I don't want to get hurt or nothing. Did you get hurt, boss? I'm, I'll accept it, okay? I'll accept it. I got and one also, flappy arm now. It's fine. And also, we're, are you guys eating lunch underneath the block dropping area? Actually, we're training it under the kinda block. Kind of looks like it. <laughs> training. Training, okay. Well, I, I'm just saying I got about 15 more blocks to drop, and this one I got to just, I'm about to heave and hoe it. So just look out. Hey! Oh! oh. That wasn't right? that wasn't much notice on that one. Oh, Ooh. sorry. Uh missed me. I, you know, I gotta get through fifteen more blocks by five o'clock, or you know, they're gonna have my ass in a sling. So of I gotta course. keep oh. it moving. Well, let's go over to the rest area. Okay. The rest area is not underneath this block dropping area, so we'll be fine. I've get my bandage my arm up just a little bit. So the rest area is underneath this other block dropping area. Okay. We cut to a newspaper slowly spinning out going 35 found dead at block dropping company. (laughs) Oh, my poor husband. He was smashed by a block earlier today. I just. Mommy, when daddy coming home? Mommy, when daddy coming? He's not coming home. Daddy not coming home. 
daddy not coming home. Oh, I don't no, want his sister son, coming home. Your father was moving a block. Yeah, daddy got to move blocks. I know, I know you like blocks. And, yeah, and you like blocks. Yeah, and your dad moved a lot of blocks. And, um, well, your father is a hero because he was moving yeah. a block and he just decided to fall with the block to save the young man that was underneath him and now your father is gone. gone. Where he go? Daddy, get daddy, God, daddy, great, daddy, hero. He loved he, daddy. He, Yay, he, he daddy. daddy. He went off oh, with, so good. With, with your grandmother and grandfather and um, the rest of our family. He's gone. It's just us now. It's well, just us. Does that mean I have to get a job? I think it does. Okay, I'm really good at dropping. I drop blocks like daddy. I okay. go to block dropping. I drop. Look, I drop my little block here. On a, oh, I'm so good at dropping blocks, You're Mama. I'm so good. Just like daddy. Ow. Just like daddy. Ah, jeez. Ah, I was just walking by. This block just hit me in the. Oh, my God. Right in the eye. It was just a little block. It's okay. You'll, you'll be fine. We're mourning up here. Another, another block, mommy. Look. Ah, my other eye. Jesus, who's that tiny voiced man dropping? Oh my God. You're doing a great job, son. You're just making me so proud by dropping those blocks. <sighs> just thank you, mama. My thank 25th you. birthday coming up, and maybe I learned how to speak in four sentences then. It's okay. I love you just the way you are. You don't ever have to speak. I have a sentences. job. I have a purpose in life, Baba. I think we we need to get you to to drop even bigger blocks now, though. I'm Not the man of the house. You are, you are, sweetheart. You are the man of the house. Because I'm, I'm remarkably father. unmoved by my father's deadly passing. It's okay. You're a man. You don't have to have emotions. It's okay. I don't have any emotions. Okay. Um. Okay. I guess that guy is okay. You know. He stopped talking, so maybe he dead, or maybe he happy. I don't know. <laughs> Either way is fine with me. It's okay with me. Okay. I drop another block. Yes, go ahead. I think you need the practice. Just try I have a sense of purpose one. now. Oh, it landed on my chest and brought me back. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, I'm back. Um Are you you're okay? You're okay down there? Yeah, I think I'm okay. I'm okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So I'm maybe gonna give you should just keep oh I'm sorry. You were gonna give me. Oh, I was. I was just gonna say, I, I owe you. I owe you big time. How much? Mucho. I will say, I owe you mucho. Mucho. What does mucho, mucho translate to? I, I owe you one. I owe you one. One good turn deserves another. You know. Okay. Sure. Sure. I mean, I am really grieving right now. I don't know if one is enough, but but I'll take it. Thank you, okay. sir. Of course. You saved oh. your life, so I think. We cut to uh, Curtis going back to his house uh, later that evening. Hey, honey, how was, uh, how was your day about strolling around today? <sighs> you know, just another long day of strolling. I got a bunch of blocks dropped on me, uh, but 
I died. I died. I saw oh. the pearly gates oh uh, briefly. Oh they goodness. definitely said I was not allowed in. And then luckily another block hit me, brought me right back to life. Um, so, yeah, so I owe them one, but not a big deal. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, God bless. And I mean, I guess God not bless if you're not going up there. But uh, it's it sounds to me like you said I owe you one to yeah. them. Well, yeah. Oh, you my know. God. We're screwed. What? what? We're screwed. Not only are we screwed, our entire lineage from this point on, the dynasty of our children and their children will be screwed. We owe them one. It could be anything. It could be one lifetime's worth. I owe you one. I owe you one lifetime's worth of care and love and money. I owe you one million dollars. I owe you one hundred thousand million little toys. It could be anything. You done? Oh God! God. We talked about this. What did I I say? Keep keep your stupid mouth shut. You said stupid mouth shut. Knock 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 knock. Oh no. I'm gonna okay. Uh, hello, oh, I guess. Uh, oh, uh, yep. Hi, um, you're the the guy that we we saved your life earlier, right? Me and my That's son. That's the Mister. Yeah, my my gorgeous twenty five year old son, um, and we are kind of hungry, so we were thinking, you know, since you owed us, maybe um, maybe you could could cook dinner for us tonight. And I like tacos. For every night, I mean, since you owe us your life. Yeah, I, I like uh, taco, chicken tacos with uh, maybe a little hot sauce, not too hot, some cheese. It's, it's Tuesday, so. He has a sensitive it's, tongue. Yeah, so. It's Taco <laughs> Tuesday. That's why he talks so, so tiny. Mm-hmm. And uh, also guacamole. And Curtis, Curtis, let's sidebar real quick. Curtis, yeah, we'll yeah. be, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see about that. Curtis, okay. the only thing we, we can do now is we have to not only we gotta we gotta kill our two children and we gotta kill ourselves. This otherwise this this will be terrible. This, this will be going, down, yes. down down the line. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm gonna pretend to start working on some uh, guacamole. I'm gonna poison. Right. I'm gonna poison everything. I do have the antidote, but I will poison just in case. Right. God forbid they get a hold of that antidote, because then we could get ourselves in a whole nother twist. Yes, guacamole. You said. Oh, I love guacamole. Oh, great. So you're gonna make yes. us some tacos? Yes, yes, yes. With with my world famous guacamole recipe. <laughs> Oh, you make it these extra lumpy, the, sir. These are the yes. best tacos in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, nineteen twenty-five. That's um, right. It, you and I. You know what? Not a lot of people know about guacamole, and I'm glad you guys. <laughs> you guys are hip. You guys are on top of it. Avocados are native to Massachusetts. You haven't seen them? They grow everywhere. Yeah, and and you know this could be a prediction. They go extinct, and then nobody realizes that avocados were actually native to Massachusetts. <laughs> Yeah, for for crazy. all of time, it would be crazy. Yeah, it would be crazy. crazy. Well, let me get let me get working on that right away. Oh, it's so kind of you to be making us dinner. You know, after I lost my husband, he lost his father. Course, you know, we're course. we're going through I, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and then and we, I lost my life, and we saved it. We saved your life. Sure. I mean, you're indebted to us forever. I think that that's what that translates to. Is Daddy coming over for guacamole? Also, um, no, sweetheart. I, I explained to you, Daddy is gone. Oh, you mentioned his name, so I thought maybe he coming. No, I mean we 
Well, I did. I did tell you he was smashed by a wooden brick, and he's block wooden block, and he's he's gone, not coming back. This guacamole oh. very good, but I don't feel very good anymore. I'm feeling a little bit not good. Oh, here, maybe your mother should try some. Curtis, sidebar, real quick. I didn't Did realize. You? We don't. We don't need to poison ourselves. We can just kill these two people, and that's oh, yeah, it. So much easier. <laughs> so much easier. So, uh, oh my so god! Let's, let's go Why don't we just do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. Um, I oh. am actually allergic to avocados, so I'm gonna a pass on the guacamole. But well, maybe you should kiss your son on the mouth real quick. Maybe you should <laughs> just because he seems to be grieving. Nothing like oh, a little kiss on the mouth. That, that helped me feel better. Oh, it's very. Good. I mean, you know. We don't do mouth kisses in our family. Not even a grief kiss. Not even a grief kiss. But I'll I'll hug him and comfort him though. Mm. Oh baby, okay. it's okay. You'll feel I, better. You can I make mean, it. We, it's okay. We do have the saying in Shrewsbury: you can't get over grief without a little tongue. Maybe I can I lay down on the floor right here. I'm very tired and having trouble breathing. Oh. Oh. Someone help him. He can't breathe. Okay, I Papa, will help. I see Papa. I will help him. Papa. Pouring a little bit of liquid into his mouth. Pouring Please a little bit of liquid into his mouth. There we go. Oh, oh, oh. He's, 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 he's back. Wow. Oh, Thank I love guacamole. So it's so good. Uh, Can I have more guacamole? No, I saw no, no, Papa, no, no, Mama. No, 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 no. I guess we're even Stevens. Curtis, I, real quick. Curtis, this was an even better idea. No, we don't yeah, need to kill yeah, anyone. Yeah. We're even. We're, I covered your debts. You see, this is why. What do I tell you? Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I was going to say I owe you one, but yeah, I think that we're even now. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. You don't have to cook us dinner anymore. You saved my child's life. And wow. I mean, that's more than I could have ever asked for. Excellent. Well. We cut to the pearly gates. Um, uh, God. Yes. Uh, God. Uh, okay. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm here. I'm. I'm glad you have a minute. Um. So, we seem to be having a problem over here. Um. Some of the seraphim and cherubim had been debating about who owes who for things uh, that were done in in life, and some of them are writing notes. And um, we just. I, I tried to to solve this. You know, myself, you always tell us, work it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a, a beneficent and detached deity. But in this case, I think we really need you to intervene because there's all, it's just, it's a problem. They're just, people are going at it fisticuffs and, and saying they've been promised things and that they should be repaid for their good deeds and whatnot, and this and that and the other. And yeah. I always thought it was a moral obligation, but, you know, and I tried to reason with them, but it's, it's it's madness. So I think we need you to step in. I, I hope I've described the situation adequately. I, I think you have, but this is heaven. I mean, we shouldn't be concerned of mortal things, things of the earth. It, it's heaven. Why? That's what I, I mean, said. Did you get them arguing? Like, why? How did this happen? Everything was peaceful the other day. And I, I, I don't understand mm-hmm. how this started. Well, there was Michael, mm-hmm. and there was Judith. Mm-hmm. And Michael said to Judith, remember that really awesome thing I did for you? 
back on earth. I I brought your children back from the dead. And Judas well, is like, yeah. Isn't it your job to make sure all their memories were wiped with their, you know, memories of what happened back on earth? Wasn't that your responsibility? Yeah, little. Okay, well, remember how I mentioned you're a beneficent detached deity? Mm -hmm. So we had a little problem with the memory wiping thing about a thousand years back. Okay. It hasn't been fully functional for a while now. And Mm. I was thinking we would bring it to your attention, but we've got the guys working on it. And I just thought, you know, it'll be cool. We'll get it worked out. You know, God's not going to notice because, you know, God's beneficent, but detached. You thought Uh-oh. I wouldn't notice. Excuse me. Sorry, God, uh, angels. I know I'm just a, a renter here. I noticed your mind wipe machine was broken. So I fixed that so that, uh, you know, me and the wife could could do that. Um, yeah, you know. Oh, wow. I would invite you to heaven, but you're already here. <laughs> but thank you yeah, so no much problem. for yeah. fixing that. I I mean, we're just renting the place, you know, so decided to fix it. Also, the uh, the Venetian blinds were a little finicky and the uh, the the toilet, you know, that that ran. So I fixed that. Oh, little, it's just uh, running. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I oh, yeah. That, I wasn't going to tell God about that. I really appreciate you opening your big freaking mouth. But, oh, <laughs> it's fixed now. So I guess it's all right. I hate to tell you this, but I already knew. I knew about the toilet running. We We cut to hell real quick. Look, I'm telling you, it's not all it's meant to be up there. There's all kinds of problems you wouldn't believe. Toilets are running nonstop. This is actually not that bad. Trust me. Have a seat. The little fire. It's like, uh, think of it as a hot spot. Anyways. <clears throat> you were yeah, saying- Isn't this like that kind of yoga? It's like that kind of yoga. I've been doing the, yeah, the hot yoga down yeah. here. Sweating and, and I'm losing a lot of weight. There you go. And we wipe your memory nightly. So you're not even, re- every oh. day it's a new torture. You don't even yeah, I don't even remember day. pushing this rock up the hill yesterday. And it is a workout, let me tell you. Ah, uh, Sisyphus. It's good to chat. It's good to chat. I'm I, the devil. Yeah. Oh. I have lost so much weight since I've been down here in hell. It's amazing. Like, I'm at my lowest weight I've ever been. I know. <laughs> I literally can see you're a skeleton. You're, it's you're amazing. A, I love skeleton. it. Yes. I love it. I can probably finally get that part on screen that I always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> we cut right. to the Vatican. Uh, ex- excuse me, Pope. Um, there have been a lot of questions about the uh, theology of both heaven and hell. So first off, it, it seems that your memory is erased no matter what. So see, see, see. I don't understand how you're really um, offering any sort of uh, retribution or understanding of your moral transgressions. If first off, uh, uh, your memory is instantly erased of them, are you just a zombie in heaven? You bring up good points. How about this? (laughs) Okay. Keep your mouth shut. I owe you one. The Pope, oh, that's a big one. That's a that is a big one. Uh, I I am I'm sorry. I do have to just mention one more thing. Uh, a, a lot of the clergy are worried about how much we're we're upselling hell. Like we're really talking about the weight loss benefits, how great it is. Describing it like a spa. Look, you keep. I I hear what you say, but um, here's what I think. Okay. We have been doing things for a very certain way, a very long time. We keep it that way. That's the church, baby. 
so I will pay you this hot yoga in hell. It tickles my fancy too, but you don't see me preaching about it. Um, so I, I give you one IOU. I'm going against my judgment writing this down for you from the Pope, signed the Pope. Uh, that's good for whenever, but you know, it's just a whatever note. Uh, I hope we never have to see it again. Um, and you know, yeah, hell, it's not bad. I, I mean, heaven, excuse me, not bad, but uh, the prices have been skyrocketing. Um, in all those houses up there, and and what do you want me to say? I have direct communication with God, and uh, she's been very uh, finicky recently, <laughs> even as benevolent, but finicky. Babe, we have this note from the Pope, this I owe you from the Pope that you've had for five years, and you haven't used it yet. Like, we need to cash this in. We need to cash this in. Yeah, I've just been having a real like analysis paralysis with it. Like you get one ask of the Pope, like I'm just worried I'm going to ask for something bad. Right. And then I'm going to spend the rest of my life. I wish I asked for something a little bit better. The other day, I almost asked for a new vending machine in the uh, over in, uh, you know, like right next to the 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 fireplace where they put the new the smoke the white and the black smoke right. sometimes you're out there you're stoking it when there's going to be a new pope and i'm like well i, I would love a fanta right now okay knock I think knock, that- knock 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 yes. uh <clears throat> excuse me i got some certified mail for you uh um cardinal what's your name cardinal what's your name you've got a uh apparently you're delinquent on your direct tv bill uh they they sent it certified mail uh you got a you got a you got a tax lien here uh your mortgage is overdue uh foreclosure notice um also you've got a um verizon service is being shut off and um uh, apparently this is a note from one of your child he's in jail um okay that's all the certified mail i have for you see you tomorrow yeah no problem uh that's only the beginning of our problems Um, so we really Ring, 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 ring. Nope. Hello? Hi, is this Cardinal What's-Her-Name? That's my husband. Um, Oh, yes. Um, Well, put me on speaker. Okay, you're on speaker. Yes, this is the uh, Vatican County Jail. Um, Your son, um, Dimitri, Mm -hmm. uh, he's dead. Oh, my God. Oh. Dead. Wait a minute. No, no, no. He's not. He's not dead. Get your, please get your facts straight before you call him. Look, I, I've, I've got, a, I've got one warden here telling me he's dead, but I'm looking through this two-way mirror and I see him right there. But the warden, he's really saying, no, he's dead. You're, you're seeing okay. wrong. Uh, this is the this is the problem with Vatican County. Vatican is the only county that's also a city, that's also a state, that's also a country. Yeah. Maybe knock, 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 oh knock. Oh, sorry. Uh, I had this one extra. Uh, I'm, I'm postman again. Um, uh-huh. I had this one extra note here. It's from the Holy See. Apparently, you're being charged, um, Cardinal. What's your name? Because um, you're married and you have a child, and uh, there's like this whole vows thing of celibacy and whatnot. And you've apparently completely flouted it for about 35 years. You've got a child and um, multiple, uh, you know, families and whatnot. So anyway, I, 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 I'm sorry I opened your certified mail. But anyway. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll see you later. You said that this whole arrangement was approved by the Pope. I don't understand. I thought the no marriage thing was a recommendation. Apparently, it's a rule. Uh, Also, I do have other families on top of this. What? Other families? I I thought I was the only one. Well, I thought I had one in Vatican City, one in Vatican County, and one in Vatican the country. We, we, we (laughs) We cut back to hell. (laughs) 
Hey, so it's Cardinal, uh, what's your name? Yeah. Well, welcome. Let me show you around. We got hot yoga here at 8 a.m. Um, we got some weight loss shakes over at noon uh, at the news station. And we'll be doing this tour every day because it's uh, a memory wipe situation. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, and so I'm just going to be, I'll be up here uh, just d- doing the same sins that I did in life just over and over again, making families, having extra families. Yep. Yep. That sounds about right. Oh, yeah. Hey, a Lucifer. Look at me. I'm pushing the rock. I'm doing really great over here. This guy. <laughs> Losing weight. I look like I'm getting fit, right? I just I found this rock today. <laughs> Wait, I've should... been on this treadmill for 20 years, but I feel great. <laughs> So should this path go right under Sisyphus's uh, rock? Oh, yeah, that rock, that rock kills, and then and, and you you think if you die in hell, you can't die again, but it's more like the Matrix. If you die in hell, it's done. There's nothing. Oh, oh my God, the rock! I, I... Oh. oh, welcome to second hell. welcome to second l who's ready to get into shameless self-promotion i am oh fantastic tony where can people find you um you can find me on instagram tony senator uh basically anywhere tony senator tony senator.com tony senator on twitter although i really don't tweet at all and instagram tony senator just remember that name (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's tony with an i and senator with an e that is correct. I probably have some shows coming up on the second Saturday of each month. Also, I am in a game called Memento Mori, and I can't find my character. So please play it and then let me know when you get to the character whose name is Cerebus. Did I say that right? I think so. Is it yeah. Cerberus? Like the Hound Cerberus. of Hell? Sorry, Cerberus. Cerberus. She's called, yeah, but she's not a dog. She's a witch. They're all witches. It's an all female. Is she named after the hedge fund or the hounds of hell? <laughs> the three-headed the dog hounds from of hell. I think yeah. the hounds of hell. All right. So yes. Cerberus and what's the name of the game again? It's called Memento Mori, and you can play it on your phone. Oh, on the phone. Okay, it's a phone mm-hmm. game. All right. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure that other people do. Artoon, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all socials at Artoon Cartoon. I do stuff there. You can also, if you like podcasts, and hopefully you do since you're listening to this one, you can listen to the Page Old Question podcast where me and Christina, previous guest of the show, my fiance, watch every single Nicolas Cage movie and break down if he's the greatest actor alive. (laughs) Okay. And by the time this podcast is released, you will be married. And uh, that podcast is Cage Old Question. And that's Christina Moore. All right. Yes. Uh, Curtis, where can people find you? Uh, I am actually Curtis on everything. Uh, if Elon Musk's Twitter is still around, I'm on that. If there's a new <laughs> social network, I'm probably on that as actually Curtis. If we all trade recipes in real time and that's the new social thing, sure, find me on that. All right. And I'm Billy D. Clerk. I'm currently at Max Hedroom esque on Twitter, but I've also squatted on the handle at Comedy Lawyer on every social network I can find. So maybe by the time this comes out, I'll be at comedy lawyer, assuming I figure out how to work social media. That's our show.